Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Our scripture gospel lesson this morning is from Mark chapter 8, verse 27 to 38. Mark eight twenty-seven to 38. If you remember last time, we kind of uh, finished up chapter 7. And I had said at the beginning of chapter 8, it's kind of just a repeat of what Christ has already taught before. But we pick up here in verse 27 of chapter 8. This is Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes into the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of our God. So as we now approach the 8th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, as I mentioned, we see similar events take place. We see the feeding of the 4,000, which was very similar to the feeding of the 5,000. Except that this time, most of the crowd, most of the 4,000 people were Gentiles, whereas the 5,000 were Jews before. After Jesus fed the people, he, he left, and he went back into Jewish territory. And the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees were there, ready to confront him once again. They asked Jesus for a sign to prove who he was. And they just didn't want any sign, they wanted a sign from heaven to prove who he was. Jesus knew their hearts, though, as he always has. And he knew that their hearts were wicked. So, him and his disciples leave that area. And then on their way, Jesus uh, continues to teach his disciples a little bit about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians. He heals a blind man. And then we get into this morning's scripture of of Peter's great 
confession. As I've said before, we're in the third and final year of Jesus' ministry on earth. The disciples are still learning, believing and trusting, but they still don't understand everything that Jesus represents, everything that Jesus does, and everything that Jesus will do. They don't understand all of this stuff just yet. They will, but not yet. So Jesus goes off to pray by himself, and when he comes back, he turns to his disciples and asks two questions. First, he asks them, who do people say the Son of Man is? I mean, who do people say that I am? Now, Jesus already knows the answer to the question. And in fact, he's not really looking for an answer from the disciples. He's looking more for a response from them and to jumpstart their thinking about who he really is. And that's what a lot of what our teachers do. They ask the students questions. Now, the teacher already knows the answer to the question, but they want to ask the child or the student the question to really stimulate their thinking, not just to spit out a response, but to stimulate their thinking. And that's why Jesus asked these questions. Of course, the disciples give an answer rather than a response. They respond quickly. They say, oh, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Others still, a prophet such as Jeremiah, have come back to life. Now, to be sure, Jesus and his characteristics resemble those people. Or probably more accurately, those people represent some of the characteristics of Jesus. Because all of these people spoke the truth. John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, the prophets, they spoke the truth. Jesus spoke the truth. He is the truth. These people, these prophets, they confronted the religious or the political leaders of their day. Jesus did the same thing. He confronted the religious and political leaders of his day. And all of these prophets essentially got beat up, cast out, or whatever, from the things that they said and did. For standing their ground for what is right, for what is honorable to God. The same thing happens to Jesus. So the disciples respond with their answer. Some people say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're a prophet. So after that response, Jesus asked them another question. He says, but who do you say that I am? And as usual, Peter is the first one to speak. He often speaks for the group in general. And sometimes, as we've seen, Peter says some and does some stupid stuff. Sometimes he speaks and acts without, without thinking. But this is one of those instances, and probably the best instance in all of Scripture, where Peter really shines with the glory of God. He says, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. In other words, you're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the prophet. You're the priest. You're the king. 
You're alive. You're not some dead idol. So Jesus responds with a blessing to Peter and the other disciples because they will be the leaders of his church. But what an important question that is. And in fact, it's a question that everyone will need to answer someday. Who do you say Jesus is? And that answer to that question will determine their eternal destiny. So it is an important question for us to ask ourselves as well. After Peter's confession, Jesus knows it's time to make known to his disciples who he really is and what must be done. Now, Jesus has alluded to his death before, but the disciples didn't really necessarily pick up on the hint. So this confession of Peter marks another turning point in Jesus' ministry of the teaching of the Twelve. From this point on, Jesus really focuses now on the cross and makes clear to his disciples that he will be executed. But the good news is, as I've mentioned before, any time Jesus talked about his death, he also, also talked about his resurrection. Jesus, The disciples know that Jesus is the Messiah, but they don't fully understand what that means yet. They think that this Messiah is going to come set up an earthly kingdom with this earthly human army. But what they're going to get is really a heavenly kingdom and a heavenly army. They expected the Messiah to conquer Rome when they will really get a risen Lord who conquers their sin. It will take time for them to learn this. It will take time for them to understand these things. But they do, as we know. God's plan was put into place. He sent His Son to minister to these twelve, and these twelve to minister to others, and those others to minister to others. And down through the many years, and 2,000 years later, here we are, doing the same thing. Jesus' death was necessary to fulfill God's plan to save us from our sin, to pay us for our sin. But Peter doesn't like what he hears. And after hearing Jesus now plainly state that he must die, Peter takes Jesus aside and rebukes him not recorded what he says here, but he probably says something like, never, Lord, no way. You don't have to die. You must be mistaken. That can't be God's plan. Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So Peter goes from the rock to a stumbling block, all in a matter of a few minutes. Peter had just been praised for confessing who Jesus is, 
for being God's spokesman. spokesman. And now Jesus is condemning him as being Satan's mouthpiece. Jesus' sacrificial death was God's plan and whoever opposed it was advocating Satan's work whether they realize it or not. And that's important to remember. You're either for or against God. There is no in-between. If you're not with him, you are against him, whether you realize it or not. And that's what the point that they, Peter, that Jesus was making to Peter here. Since you just confessed me as a son of the living God, and now you're saying that this is not God's plan? That is Satan's work. And the same goes for us. Yes, we may come here and worship God each and every week, but if we are not living out God's plan, in fact, if we were turning from His plan, trying to stop His plan, we are really doing the work of Satan. And we need to keep that in mind, especially when temptations arise in our life. But near the end of our scripture this morning, Jesus gives a few statements for us to live by. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And I know we've talked about that before. And kind of, uh, in today's terms, we, we don't necessarily understand what it means to take up a cross. We believe it just means you're burdened. And some people, you know, equate the burdens to maybe their jobs, their co-workers, their boss, their family, their spouse, whatever. But that's not what the cross meant to these people 2,000 years ago. If you were carrying a cross 2,000 years ago, that meant you were on your way to be executed. That's what it meant. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. He carried his cross to his execution. That's what it meant. And that's what it means today for us as well. Carrying the cross is not just a, a simple little burden, maybe a financial burden or a physical burden. That's not a, a cross to bear. The cross to bear is to be willing to lay your life out for God, to give up your life to him. Our scripture also says, Jesus tells us, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him. Paul tells us as well, be not ashamed of the gospel. Meaning, don't be ashamed of, of being a Christian. You might be ashamed of the way you act sometimes, and that's not, uh, not a Christian or Christ-like way, but do not be ashamed of the gospel. And it's very easy to do. Very easy to do. Maybe where we work or wherever we socialize or whatever it is we do in our daily lives, someone might tell you something personal such as, 
You know, my child or, or my parents, they're not doing so well. They're in the hospital. And so often I hear this. I hear people say this. And then the other person responds, well, I'll be thinking of them. Well, if you're a Christian, yeah, you should be thinking of them, concerned for them, but pray for them as well. And make it known to that person that you are praying for them. Don't be ashamed to let that person know that you are a Christian. Do not be ashamed of the Word of God. Do not be ashamed of God. Because if you act in a shameful way, God will be ashamed of you. Those people who reject the demands of discipleship prove themselves to be ashamed of Jesus Christ and the truth that He taught and the things that He did for us. And those people are not redeemed from sin at all. So that's the question for you. Who do you say Jesus is? Is He your Lord and Savior? He wants us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow Him. And we can only do that by stop trying to control our own life and our own destiny and simply let Him direct us with what He wants us to do. Christ knows us and this world better than we know ourselves and better than we know others and better than we know this world. We can trust Him. He is faithful. He is true. Let Him be in control. Let your life be guided by what He wants you to do. And I assure you, as you're obeying His will, everything will work out just like He has planned. Let us close with a word of prayer this morning. Lord, we thank you for this lesson this morning. It is so nice to read about the Apostle Peter and, and what a wonderful, believing person he was. But it is also comforting to hear that even he messed up sometimes. Help us to learn those lessons that he learned Help us to obey Christ, to deny ourselves and to follow Him. Help us to set our minds on heavenly things this week so that Your power and Your glory may shine through us. It's in His name that we pray and give thanks. Amen.